Hello and welcome to the RylaCast, the official podcast. Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. That didn't work at all. I'm sorry. I apologize to Rotary District 5810. Uh, my name is Greg Tepper. My co-host this evening, a very special guest for you guys. It's my normal co-host. It's the man they call Josie, Andrew Utz. Well, hello, Greg. You are a special guest ho or guest co-host because you're special and you're you're a guest, kind of. Yeah. Um, that's like you're a guest somewhere. Like you've been a guest before. That that's true. Like you've visited other people's house. And you are my co-host. I'm a guest, yeah. I'm a guest yeah. in my house. I guess. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't No, yeah, it's I don't a stretch. I don't know. Yeah. We'll just edit it's that okay. out. Um this is uh this is the Rylacast. Uh, uh before we get going, um so let me be because last time uh we kind of buried this at the end. Uh but we should probably talk about North Texas Giving Day. Mm. Let's do this at the top because then That's... Dana won't won't yell at me. I didn't mean that. What I mean <laughs> is uh because then we can do right by Camp Ryla. <laughs> also the other part too. Yes. Um so uh, North Texas Giving Day is coming up on September 22nd, um, and that is a day in which, uh, you know, a variety of charities and, and, and uh, nonprofit organizations across the state, uh, across North Texas um, are, uh, it's a big day for people to, to, to donate to their favorite uh, charity, um, I am for favorite organization. I, I don't know what your scene is like, but if you're looking for an organization to, to uh, donate to, uh, may I offer you? Ryla fifty eight ten. That feels like a good place to donate, doesn't it? It does. It does. And and if I can if I can tack onto that, so by all I means, hear, I don't have the copy points. Oh, good. When I hear like donate and big fundraiser, like I get nervous, right? Because it feels mm-hmm. like okay, this this is an entire day dedicated to giving to all these great nonprofit organizations, and I'm it's intimidating. But I do want to stress that like. Five ten dollar donations, mm-hmm. those are absolutely welcome. You know, so we, yeah. um, I just wanted to put that out there that if if whatever if you are interested in giving and are in a place where you can give, we would love to be a Rila fifty eight ten foundation would love to be that recipient. So so let me tell you this: the, on Sunday, um, my eldest son Hank and I got up and we drove got in the car and we drove to donut pl- the donut store got mm-hmm. some donuts okay big okay. big dad energy on a sunday oh yeah and we also went and got uh m- mom we got her a pumpkin spice latte at starbucks okay, okay? pumpkin because, spice latte season because my wife is um <laughs> awesome so <laughs> Anyway, I'm trying to stay out of trouble here. She's not going to listen to this podcast. Yes, but yeah. she's uh, she she enjoys the finer things. Is what I'm saying. Um, so we go and we get her the pumpkin spice latte. I was shocked at how much the pumpkin spice latte cost. Like, genuinely shocked. All I'm saying is, if you're a pumpkin spice <laughs> latte fan and you want to not have one pumpkin spice latte and instead offer that money to Ryla, I think it would go farther <laughs> than um than than pumpkins than a psl Ooh, psl 
is that a good is that a good sales pitch? Is that a good way to to you know? Is that a good way to get people to donate? You not only have me interested in donating to Rila fifty eight ten, you also have me interested in researching the price of a of a PSL. I will tell you, it's more than five dollars. That is eye opening and shocking. At least the one that I got. Now maybe they just like maybe it came with three dollars staple to the bottom, and I didn't see it. Like I don't mm. know. Yeah, uh, sometimes they do that at Starbucks. Anyway, uh, please donate to uh, North to Rila fifty eight ten on North Texas Giving Day coming up here on September twenty second. Also, I know I mentioned this last time, but if you are a shopper on Amazon, uh, Jeffrey Bezos's company, um, if you instead of going to www.amazon.com, if you go to smile.amazon.com, they will like automatically donate like a percentage of the money to Ryla. Like I do that and I'm like, I can't tell you how lazy I am. You know what I mean? But I can type in smile.amazon.com and send and give like 45 cents of the money I'm spending on a nose hair trimmer to, um, to Ryla. So you can do that too. are hitting all the copy points, Craig. Thank you. And it's not even your money. You know, the cost of the good does not increase for you at all. It's Bezos's money, and it's he's got Bezos's enough. Bezos's money, he's got enough. I think we can Jeffrey all agree on that. Bezos. Uh, I was going to sing that too. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to our sales pitch. We can get on with the Ryla cast coming up here in just a little bit. We're going to be joined by Matt Stone, who will break down. Uh, we'll go. We'll go series by series on Texas versus Alabama, <laughs> or we're going to talk about uh, what he does for a living at Turn Ministries and how Ryla impacted that, and vice versa. Um, one of those two. We'll get into that with Matt Stone coming up here in a little bit. But first, Josie, um, I drew the um, I like to do. It's not the short straw. It's the long straw. I get uh, to do the big segment. See what you did there. Like It's not a got to it to get to, you know. <laughs> um, and so I would like to I would like to talk a little bit about leadership here on this here podcast about leadership. But more importantly, I want to talk about whether or not you identify as a leader do you like when when you wake up in in your everyday life and you stretch your stretch your arms and your legs and you you know you pour yourself a hot cup of joe you know, pour yourself a six dollar and fifty cent <laughs> pumpkin spice latte do you wake up thinking it's me josie i'm a leader um wow putting me on the spot i am no no i do not um and and that's i don't think that's necessarily you know wrong but at at the the same time there are places in your life where you are called upon as a leader correct correct yes so i found this i found this research done for the uh for the harvard business review our favorite our favorite business it's it's honestly it's a top three business review I'm going to go out and I'm willing to say it. The Harvard Business Review is top three business review. And and so I found this article and I like that the headline really grabbed me because I was perusing as I am wont to do. And the headline, are you afraid to identify as a leader? Oh, see, it gets your attention. I feel like it's. Yeah, that's a that's. Are you hold of afraid me. to identify as a leader? Because I think that what's funny is that we go to camp and. Uh, there we're, we're surrounded by people who are all like happy and willing and eager and like chomping at the bit champing mm. chomping hey, both either either um at the bit 
to identify themselves as a leader. Say, I'm a leader. I want to be a leader. I'm calling for the ball if I need to. I'm going to do what what it takes. I'm willing to 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 be that to be that leader for this organization, for this for this for this group, for this organization, for whatever. And yet, this article and this study done by uh, let me give some uh, some some credit here: Julia Lee Cunningham, Laura Sonde, and uh, Sue Ashford. Um, they put together a study that basically said that. Well, first of all, let's let's agree on on some some ground rules. Would you agree that it is critical that in order to act like a leader, you have to first see yourself as a leader? I I would agree. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I I think that, I think that it is important if you're going to be, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be about it, you got to talk about it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like you have to see yourself as a leader before you're willing to, before you're willing to take those steps towards acting like one towards being one. I don't think anybody just kind of accidentally happens into being a leader. I think there has to be a conscious decision there. Um, but the study found that there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable identifying as leaders. Um, and there's a couple of reasons here, a couple of reasons. One is there are people or it's, it's a lot of it comes from reputational fears they they view the idea of saying hey it's me leader person right as potentially being a a negative for their reputation they they the, the biggest things that they found in doing this study is that people are afraid of identifying themselves as a leader because they don't want to feel they don't want to seem domineering right they don't want right. to they don't want to seem like oh that's that's Josie he's the leader He's, he thinks he's so, he thinks he's so important. And so Mm. like he can tell boss everybody around. Right. Right. Um, there's also the idea that, um, there's people who you don't want to feel like another common concern is that acting as a leader results in you being singled out and getting too much attention for being different. It's the idea of being in the pack is a lot easier because you're one of you're one of many as opposed to stepping out in front, stepping out of your comfort zone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Even if the attention is positive, people don't want to do this. Uh, they were doing a study in one participant, I'll quote here. Uh, one participant explained, quote, I don't want to be looked up to or idolized. I'm comfortable leading, but at the same time, I want to be on the same level as everyone else, end quote. And I think that's interesting because as somebody who does have some leadership roles in my workplace, I I sometimes struggle to find that balance between being part of the team and also being the captain of the team, so to speak, mm-hmm. and not wanting to be idolized. Like I can certainly relate to that. I don't think I am afraid to identify as a leader, but at the same time, I can certainly relate to that. They worry that if they become leaders, they have to sacrifice their sense of belonging within the group which I think is interesting. That is interesting. The other one is something we've talked about a lot here, which is um, whether or not they see themselves as qualified, participants were afraid that others would view them as unqualified. That they'd say, who died and made Josie King? Mm, You know what I mean? The answer is Queen Elizabeth II. But 
who, you know, like, like, why is this person like in the study, they quoted another participant. I know people often associate men with leadership roles. So that makes me somewhat uncomfortable. I worry that if I try to pursue leadership in my field, people will not take me seriously. So I also wonder if there are certain demographic elements to that, that, uh, that, you know, leaders of color or, or women leaders or, or, or groups that are otherwise kind of uh, considered to be like, you know, basically not white, white dudes, essentially. Right. I wonder if that is a bigger fear for them of you have to go out there and you feel like, oh, people aren't, aren't going to take me seriously. Um, that, go ahead. Yeah, sir. No, no, that's interesting. And that's tough, too, because it, it feels like, you know, those those labels as well, you know, whether it's a, a woman leader, oh, she's just bossy. Well, yeah, d- no, that's that's assertive yeah, or, Dude, you know, or, dom- or whatever yeah. reason. That was it's funny you mentioned that, because when I read that domineering, my first thought was because I've got, you know, there's there's women in, in leadership. Obviously, we're in, in, in at Camp Ryla. I'm fairly certain Ryla is majority women. But uh, so it's a lot of a lot of female leaders, but also. Um, I, I also know that in talking with, you know, people I work with and, and friends and stuff like that who are in leadership roles, they are super conscious. A lot of them are super conscious about not coming off as bossy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I gotta be honest. I almost never think of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, I'm just, you know, going to do my thing, which, you know, that's, there's a privilege in and of itself in that. But I find that to be particularly interesting when I saw that word domineering. I thought that was interesting. And, and, and to be sure, like these are these, these fears, I think are based on very real experiences, especially for like underrepresented groups, do you know, of, you know, oh, you're going to be different. You're going to be singled out. You're going to, people are going to think you're unqualified. People are going to think you're bossy. Um, now here's what I think is interesting. Cause so that's why people are, are afraid to identify as a leader. This this uh, this study though did find three particular things that are going to or strategies that can help managers, um, you know, to reduce the impact of those fears, right? The potency of those fears. One of them is to present leadership as not as risky, simply like to like quell <laughs> those fears, like it's not risky. Don't worry. I thought this was interesting. So uh, uh, in one study, they found that participants who listened to a podcast in which we framed leadership as risky were less likely to identify or act as leaders than those who listened to a podcast that described leadership as low risk. Did you write this article, Greg? I promise you I didn't, (laughs) but I'm here to tell you that you and I are playing with live ammo here. Okay? Okay. Um, So that's one thing. They can help. They can help managers. Um, you know, the, the, you know, by by presenting leadership as less risky or lower stakes, like just say basically, hey, if for example, if you're if at work you get asked to be the, to be the leader of a team, just going to that person and saying, hey, you know what? By the way, like just this, you know, leader, mistakes are expected, and this isn't going to be some sort of black mark on your on your record if this goes sideways, right? Mm-hmm. I think that can quell those fears and allow people to uh, to identify as a leader. Another one is, I think, and this is interesting, they can take steps to explicitly address the reputational concerns, right? To explicitly go out there and challenge those negative stereotypes and just say, hey, you know what? Um, it's understandable that you don't want to be, to to have an identity that's stereotypically seen as domineering. 
you know, but I, I think that's the, the role of existing leaders to go to, to go to those people that you want to step up and to say, Hey, listen, it's not, you know, those, those fears, you don't need to worry about them. And let's talk, let's talk through these fears in that way. Um, so I thought that to be, I thought, found that to be, to be interesting and, and, and to really make it clear through words and actions that leadership is a skill that anyone can develop rather than an innate ability. Right. So that kind of gets to right. the idea of like, oh, I'm unqualified. I think there's people who are like, oh, well, I can't be a leader because I'm not a leader. I wasn't born to be a leader. Um, I think there are certain traits that you can, you, you can have that are innate that are, helpful towards being an effective leader. But I also agree with the idea that anybody can be a leader. Um, and it's, it's a skill that you can develop. It's a muscle you can work out as opposed to just something you're either born to be a leader or you're not. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought that was very interesting. And, and like I said, the headline of, are you afraid to identify as a leader? Um, grabbed my attention. That's good headline writing, said the person who was a regional champion in UIL headline writing back in 2003. Well, congratulations. I'm sorry I haven't congratulated Thank you, you before Thank now. Thank you very much. Thank you for um, that. But yeah, on, on the article that you wrote and then presented for this podcast, I... Uh, no. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll You're joke. You're accusing I, me of being different. Right. <laughs> Not no, domineering. I, I, think, I think a lot of things in that article are fascinating, most of which like... And I'm I'm just I'm going to talk about myself for a minute. I don't want to talk about all humans. All right, but, everybody, um, clear out. Let Josie talk about himself. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can be kind of dumb. So like the way the human body's dumb, right? You're framing, it, like the, just listening to a podcast that frames something in one way versus another. Yeah, I think I think it's it speaks to the power of like the unconscious things that we that occur every day. And I don't want to. And yeah, just yeah. You're right, and and we're certainly not talking up the the Rylacast, though. Go rate and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm, but I think what you're what you're driving at is is a great point, which is it doesn't take much to calm people's fears. Mm -hmm. That if you are and and if you're in a position of leadership right now, and you need and you would like for somebody else to get involved in it, you think they'd be a good fit. It does not take a whole lot for you to go to that person and to talk through their fears and get them, get them more comfortable with the idea of being a leader. Um, because I do think that that's important. And cause, uh, the best thing that you can do, and I know we said this a lot on the podcast before, the best thing you can do as a leader is to empower others to take those leadership roles. And so finding ways to overcome those fears of, of being a leader, I think is, is important. So anyway, that's all I had. I told you before we started, I had a big beefy, big segment. That is a fantastic segment. I, I, I saw, like I said, if you write a good headline, I will notice it, especially <laughs> if it's on one of my top three business reviews, like the Harvard <laughs> business reviews. Um, okay, so that's the big segment. Let's get to the real part, the real meat of the show, and that is so that's the bread of the podcast sandwich. Let's get to the uh, the turkey and cheese of the uh, of the of the sandwich, or maybe I don't know. What's the last sandwich you had? Um, actually really delaying the Matt Stoner. Well, I guess you're, is a, is a burger, a sandwich, a burger is a sandwich. It's, it's meat between bread. Yes. Okay. Is, so a, is a hot dog, a sandwich. We don't have time for that. <laughs> we, we have to get to Matt Stone. Here's our conversation with Matt Stone here on the Rattlecast. Okay. 
Josie. Oh, Greg. You know, this is the portion of the podcast where we bring in a big name guest. And uh, <gasps> I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk about any of our past guests, but I will just say this definitely is a big name guest. We are really. Oh, yeah. Do you know who's do you, did? Did you not get the email I sent? No. Well, okay. There was an email. Well, here we go, buddy. We are <laughs> pleased to be joined on the Ryla cast by Matt Stone. All hey. right. How's wow. it going? Matt Stone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what a great way to introduce yourself is just say, hey, it's me. Hey, it's me. My name. I do that with uh, all my friends. Uh, I say, hey, do you know me from like, we used to live together in college. And they're like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to start doing that with like my brothers. And be yeah, like, oh, yeah. hey, you remember me? Like we grew up together? <laughs> like say mom? Thanksgiving? Um, yeah. Uh, where are you coming to us from, Matt? I am sitting in uh, my fiance's house in Austin, Texas. Mm. Mm. Ah, okay. So uh, we've brought you on for a number of reasons. Uh, this is we, we've wanted to confront you for a while, um, but uh, and so this is this is a, a live confrontation um, ah. on on tape. About time. We, we will. Uh, <laughs> the conversation we usually we usually start these conversations. I'm I'm interested in in your Ryla story, how you became involved in the program, how you how you got here. Basically, how'd you get on this podcast? Wow. You know, uh, how does anybody get anywhere? Really? That's <laughs> the questions that puzzle us for ages. Um, I well, I, you know, I guess it started when I went to Ryla in uh, 2011. Um, I was the third alternate selected uh, for, for my school. And so there was, they, my school typically sends three people. So I was number six on the depth chart. And, um, you know, as things happen, people get sick, people make plans. And in a week before Ryla begins, I actually get a call. that says, Hey, do you still want to do that camp called Ryla? And I was like, I guess I don't have better plans. So <clears throat> I showed up to Ryla and immediately felt different. I, I mean, I've been going to camps my whole life. I grew up in, uh, in a household where we did, you know, VBSs and you know summer camps all the time. So like I, I was familiar with and in love with camps. And so I got there, but very quickly realized it was it was all uh, I don't know. It was all different than I had ever expected. I should have known something when it was a right like a Rotarian taking me to the camp, and I wasn't being like dropped off by my parents or anything. Um, but yeah, getting pulled out of the car was quite the experience, and really set the tone in an amazing way because I feel like when people talk about having a Ryla moment or anything, I feel like I had that moment like night one, not necessarily like, Oh, like I'm, I'm so enlightened, but it was more like, Oh wow. Like they really, they really want to teach us something at this camp. Like they, they believe something about us. And it was when Jerry trailer uh, was speaking as he used to do on night one. And I just, I, I very distinctly remember being like, Oh wow. Like they, they really see potential in us. And from then on out, I was, I was bought in. Um, so I came back, uh, for, the next year as an AC, I came back one more year, um, before going off to college and, um, which is unique. Usually you go off to college after your AC year, but I had taken a gap year. And so, um, I came back because I was just like, I was so in love with the, the mission and the method, especially, I think that it is quite the, I, I, I work in camp ministry now. And so I put, I help students put on retreats where people feel, um, included and invited and, 
um, special. And so I, I draw from Ryla and every day, and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point in the podcast, but I just want to say like, even, even now I'm, I'm constantly going back to my Ryla experience and like, how does, how is this supposed to work? Um, and so I came back for a third year and took like a five year break because of the date shift that happened. Um, I don't know. I don't know how in depth uh, your listeners are in, in the Ryla lore. Um, but there was a, a shift in dates from June to August for a few years and I couldn't make it at all. And then came back, um, in 2019 was a counselor for the first time. Um, and then came back as a counselor for the second time in uh, 2022, a little break for, um, there was something that was going around. I don't even remember what it's called anymore, but, uh, yeah, came back for a counselor year and, and then lo and behold, I get an email one day that says, Hey, you want to be on a podcast? And I'm like, do I ever? Yeah. <laughs> and, so it's a long winding journey to get a dumb email from me. <laughs> a really cool email. <laughs> like a trophy almost. Um, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just going through all my questions here and I think you hit literally every one. So, oh, um, nuts. No, I, I, so, so you were one of the ones that, uh, that drank the Kool-Aid, you got a sip of the Kool-Aid early and yeah. just locked in. Oh yeah. Took it to the dome. I was, I was <laughs> chugging right away. It was, yeah. I mean, the energy is infectious, obviously for anybody that has been, if anybody who hasn't been, um, literally they, they, well, I don't know if, are there students that will hear this perspective students in the future? You know, we haven't really thought about who listens to this podcast. I'll be real. I'll be entirely honest with you. So you can just let it rip. All right, great. So from the moment you get there, you have a bunch of students who are, and I've come to find that this is the exact right group of people to do it. Um, a group of students who are just one year older than the campers, screaming and shouting and having a lot of fun, pull you out of the car, make you do some embarrassing sort of dance, and then send you on a golf cart with a bunch of supplies to another group of people that you've never met, um, where it's so quiet. Um, and so it's just like this whirlwind of like experiences and sounds and people. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just so unique. And I, I, I like to fancy myself as somebody who, um, likes variety. And, uh, in the first f five hours of Ryla, I think that you, you hit more peaks and valleys in terms of energy than just about any other thing you could possibly do. So, well, maybe not more than the Cowboys, but <laughs> Boy. bringing it back. Yeah, uh, so, so the, the Ryla arc, if you will, you've kind of hit everything, um, from, you know, camper to AC to staff mm -hmm. member to taking a, a couple years hiatus. Um, uh, we changed the camp yeah. dates actually to get you back, Matt. I don't know oh. if people know that. Um, so how would you say your perception of camp has changed, um, or the program, you know, you say you, you use this in your everyday life Absolutely. how would you how would you say it's changed um throughout the different roles you've played at camp well i think the biggest thing that i keep realizing over and over is the amount of time preparation care that goes into each facet uh there's so many different meetings throughout the year for this one week long camp to make sure that every moment uh that the camper experiences is the most impactful it possibly can be. And so I'm, I'm constantly impressed each year that that happens. And so like, I, I find myself coming to camp each year wondering like, what, what's the, what's the small change? What's the smallest change I'm going to notice. That's not just by chance, but it was done on purpose. 
Yeah, that's that's actually a really interesting way to put it, because because you're right. There's there's the big things and a lot of the big things kind of stay the same. And or uh, and and when you when a big thing changes, you kind of notice. But it's those small things oh, yeah. that that I think, you know, often imperceptible. And maybe you don't you don't realize it until after it's over uh, that uh, that suddenly it, it dawns on you that it was changed. That was different. Um, oh, yeah. OK, so so you are the uh, the you are the CEO. Is this right? Do I have your that's title right. right? Wow. Oh, boy. OK, I'm, I'm going to sit up straighter. It's like top dog. I'm going to straighten up my tie um, of, of turn ministries. Uh, you, you launched campus uh, retreat ministries, uh, you know, across college yeah. campuses. And, and you mentioned in, in your in your lead up talking about how you grew up going to VBS. You grew up going, you know, you were a camp guy. I'm interested in kind of the the chicken and egg situation with Ryla and what you do now. Did Ryla like. We're, like what you do now is obviously kind of pretty kind of tied to, to what similar to what Ryla does and things like that. Was that, did you have an idea of that before you came to Ryla? Did Ryla help to spark that? Give, give me kind of the, the breakdown of, of the timeline between go, your experience at, at, at Ryla and what you do now. Yeah. Well, as far as the chicken and the egg goes, I think the egg had to have started, you know, I don't know, maybe it was when I was, born and and made it an extrovert by chance um or, or just even the the history of going to lots of camps growing up i i find the the retreat slash camp environment to be a place that i just i find that i i really enjoy i feel like i shine um with like meeting people and we're all brand new to the situation and just like i don't know i like to make people feel welcome i like you know i, I get nervous when i don't know a lot of people and so like it, it makes it easy that we're all in the same footing, you know? And, and so like, I, I just, I really loved all sorts of camp situations growing up and, and just like those ex- shared experiences that you go through where there's no outside distractions. Um, and so Rilo, Rilo was like the culmination of like, now the egg is fully grown as much as an egg can be. But what really made, uh, the work that I do now come to be was I had gone to a similar, um, so I helped students start retreats and I had gone to one of those retreats as a freshman in college. So as I was coming into the University of Texas, go Longhorns, um, we want Bama again. Uh, <laughs> as I was coming into UT, I went to this retreat called Ignite Texas. And that was, it, it was a retreat. It was similar to Ignite in that it was a experience for a lot of people who were coming into the same life stage and, and have a lot of potential and, um, and and wanting to share something that's, that's going to change their lives. Uh, but what made me keep coming back to Ryla, wanting to, to come um, and use all the tools that I've been picking up for years and years and years and keep refining at Ryla was seeing the the way that this other retreat, Ignite Texas, grew so slowly. Um, and not in terms of number, but just like the, the progression uh, of like ideas and like the solidification of things that were really good took a long time. And so I started immediately going back to like, what's something that I know that's incredibly high quality that's something similar? And of course, that the answer was Ryla. And so that was like the, the fertilization of the egg to give me a baby chick, um, which, which finally did hatch uh, in May of 2018 when I graduated from uh, University of Texas, go Longhorns, we want Bama. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the chicken and the egg deal there. I, uh, found that, yeah, that there was, there's no better model for how a retreat should run in terms of the camper experience than Ryla. 
So, you know, one of the questions we're fond of asking is, um, is how you use Ryla every day kind of in, in, in what you do. But I'm, I'm also interested, and I do want to ask that, but I'm also interested in kind of the reverse of that, because, you know, you're a guy who obviously are, you're, you're, um, you are involved in, um, in, in camps and retreats and things like that and, and, and involved with young people, you know, uh, with it and, and kind of giving them experiences. I'm interested in how you use like your everyday work and how much that translates to what you're able to give back to, to, to the program and give back specifically when you're, when your accounts are at camp. Is, is there, do you find that overlap, like your professional life kind of influencing, you know, what you're able to bring to, to the program? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have found uh, it's really beneficial for my work to be with primarily incoming college freshmen, uh, because when I'm meeting campers at RILA, uh, they are, you know, coming into their senior year. And so a a year later, they're going to be able to benefit from the services that we provide at at Turn Ministries. And so that's been a really helpful thing to just kind of come in and, and know that like, hey, like this, this, Thing that we have at Ryla, this really cool experience that you have is not a one week thing. You can use your your tools to give back to your communities, to do you know to to grow, to have help your friends be be better leaders, whatever it is that, that they're taking away, um, and immediately come into a place where like you know they they go from being the the big fish in the small pond to being a a little fish in a giant pond when they go off to college for a lot of them, and to be able to say like hey I I. I know that there was something that you really loved and I can help you find something very similar that's going to help you fit in uh, when you go to college. And so I, I absolutely, every time I come back to Ryla, I'm, I'm really excited to share with um, if it's the ACs or the, you know, soon to be seniors in high school, um, all the different ways that they can get connected to people in college, even before they realize that that's what they really want. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take things in a different direction. Let's do it. Switch it up. So so you and I spoke at camp, Matt, and I I picked up on something in your little in your intro about where you were, where in the world is Matt Stone? Mm. Um, right, we're gonna talk Austin real estate. We're gonna oh, talk but- Austin real estate and Bama. It's hot. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so you said fiance. That's right. Yes, yeah, so- I, I do speak a little French. <laughs> Um, so how's, how's that going? Oh my gosh. Um, it was, it's, it's going great. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I had a crush on this girl for a long time before I asked her out. And then I finally asked her out and she said, "Mm, maybe in a few months. And then a few months came and she was like, maybe in a few more months. And so long story short, we, I asked her out and a year later we went on our first date. Um, and I've, I've been over the moon. I started saving for a ring. Uh, a, a month after I had asked her on that first date. So I was, I was sold well before we even started dating and, um, about seven months into, was it seven months, nine months, nine months into dating, I proposed and, um, man, I'm having, I'm having a great time. I love her a lot. She's the best. Her name is Hannah for anybody who's out there wanting to know what her name is. Shout out Hannah. Um, okay. So I, I, I want to back up and I, you know, we're, we're capital J journalists on this podcast. And so we need just, uh, to clarify the timeline here. That'll Are lead. you saying you saved, started saving up for a ring a month after you first asked her out? So this is before the first date? Oh yeah. Well, uh, 11 months before the first date, I think that's, that's the right math. Okay. I, I, I wanted to make sure I, you know, put that on wax and got that exactly right. <laughs> Look, 
listen, sometimes you call your shot and it, and it comes through. So cool. well done to you, sir. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And, and I want to clarify, I did not want it to take a year before we went on our first date. <laughs> I thought it was going to be But yeah, it, it happened it. the way it happened. Okay. That's, that's, that's great. Well, congratulations. When's the wedding? It's in January, January 27th, 2023. Okay. okay. Come on 120, out. 127.23. Okay. Um, okay. Well, you're welcome. Okay. Okay, Matt. Uh, we, we are one last thing to do here, and that is we like to give our, our guests the floor to plug something. Um, essentially, this is just like open air for you, but you can do whatever you'd like. You can talk about something that you're passionate about. You can you can just tell a joke. I don't know. You kind of got like, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes to, to talk about whatever you'd want and what we, what you want people, uh, the vast listening audience of the Rylecast, which again, can't stress enough. We haven't done any research on the demographics, um, but you can just do plug whatever you'd like in this space. So go. Well, great. Um, I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't say more, a little bit more about uh, the work that I'm doing at Turn Ministries um, and the reason why. So I help get college freshmen connected to churches and ministries in college towns uh, through helping students put on retreats for them. And so uh, the reason I, I am even in that work is because, like I said, as I attended Ignite Texas, um, I had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ and um, now want to follow him for all of my days. And so I found so much freedom and joy and peace uh, in that experience. And so wanted to share that if you are in a spot that you are um, struggling to find peace or um, feel like you're trapped or a sense of hopelessness um, or, or just honestly having a lot of questions or doubts or whatever it may be, um, man, ask somebody about Jesus. Ask me if you can, um, I would, just because I would love to tell you about him. But um, man, there is, there is hope uh, that that you can have a relationship with the living God of the universe um, who who made us all in his image and, and loves us deeply. So, um, that's, yeah, that's how I would, I would use my open air time, um, is, is to, to give credit to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's turnministries.org, correct? That's right. Turnministries.org. Uh, you can find Let's a fancy turn. photo of Matt on there with, uh, along with Taylor and Josh. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking at, I'm looking at this, this photo of you guys. You doing um, it right now? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at you right now. Like this is the, this is the, you know, radio is a theater of the mind. And, but yeah, but like I, I would just encourage people to go to turnministries.org and just look at this picture of Matt while you're, while you're, uh, while you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. While you're perusing. Well, bring something together. Uh, Matt, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, dude, appreciate it. I'm sorry about the Longhorns. It was a great right. game. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, I have a lot of hope for the season after that. Although I'll tell you. I've been burned before. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, you have. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Texas grad, and I can tell you, yes, I've been to the burn ward. <laughs> okay, I, I have one question. I know we're trying to wrap this up, Matt. I've got all is my- Texas back? Mm. <sighs> Great question, Josie. You really had to do it to me. Yes, of course, Texas is back. Okay, it's Texas is back. It's the Cowboys year. We're gonna take it all the way. <laughs> That's that's Matt Stone. It's turnministries.org. You can't say he's not offering hope to people. Uh, <laughs> Matt, appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah, thanks, thanks Matt. Matt. Guys. And our thanks once again to Matt Stone coming to us from Austin, Texas. 
uh, for joining us here on the Rylacast. Uh, a good dude, a two-time uh, Ryla cabin counselor, and uh, yeah, I like Matt and, Stone. And he's a, I believe he's a Camp Cup winner. I don't know how Is we, he? we made it the whole interview without Ooh, talking about great. that. You know, we, we really do need like a spreadsheet or something, just keeping up. Like if we ever have, um, like God forbid we ever have Hunter Follett on the show, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would be the entire interview would just be about the Camp Cup and every every place that it's been. That's true. That is yeah. true. I think you're right, though. I think I think Matt has won a Camp Cup before. Anyway, uh, we appreciate his time uh, as he's doing wedding planning. So, uh, and now let's go to our closer. We're going to the bullpen. We're playing the uh, we're playing the, uh, the the Timmy trumpet song mm, uh, as Edwin narco. Diaz is coming in. No, we're playing narco. Here he comes, our closer. It's Josie Utz. Well, thank you, Greg. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I would be remiss if, as the, uh, the resident choo-choo expert on this podcast— you, you absolutely are. That is undisputed. I would be remiss not to bring up any choo-choo-related news. I love it. Okay. Oh, so, do, you have, do you have a Google alert for, like, choo-choo <laughs> news? I, I do. And I, this, was, this is not my, my sh- short segment— but I recently attended a Choo Choo conference. I have Buddy. so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Does everyone walk around in conductor hats? Please say yes. Oh, yes. Of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. Anyway, that is that is a, a different podcast. That'll be for the for the Patreon podcast. Yes. We'll do the Choo Choo po- uh, uh, conference recap. So, um, or... Are you aware that there is an impending railroad strike about Ooh. to occur? No. And normally I'm, this is a weird brag, but normally <laughs> I'm up on like impending labor disputes. Okay. <laughs> so I hadn't heard about this. Yeah. We are like, I, I don't want to peek too far behind the curtain. We are like out, hours, days in terms really? of like weeks, months away from a railroad strike uh, that is essentially over um, some quality of life issues, because I don't know if you know this, but railroaders historically have worked all the live long day. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I'm making this. This sounds like I'm making. Oh my God. Josie, you're perfect in every way. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> somebody's gonna oh listen to this and be really affected by the uh the railroad strike and take umbrage oh against the, the way i'm framing this oh but um no i as, as someone who has worked on the railroad i have never and and i'm saying this somewhat confidently because i've worked with several people at camp and i know how hard people can work but there is a there's a section of this earth around like basically I haven't met um, harder working people than railroad workers. And, and it, it, this strike is essential. I'm doing a horrible job of explaining what it's no, about, dude, but it's, a, this is it, great. I love, I love, <laughs> I love labor lawyer, Josie. Yeah. If only we had someone who had like, I don't know who was a labor lawyer recently as a guest ah, on this podcast. Well, somebody couldn't be bothered to be on that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So basically, a strike is looming because an agreement has not been made with the big freight railroads uh, and two um, of the larger labor unions, which people may think that's not too big of a deal. But um, a lot of the passenger trains run on freight railroad tracks. So mm -hmm. if if nobody steps in after this cooling off period, which that's kind of a cool name, right? Like you've oh, had like some, some labor disputes and there's a federally mandated cooling off period. I love, I love, I love that we have to treat people like children sometimes. Right. So I was, I was trying to think of a short segment and, you know, leadership in crisis. It feels like that's kind of just been a halo around the last couple of years. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to to bring to light that we we are close to a labor <clears throat> strike that's that would affect more people than just the the actual workers. And there's it's I kind of wanted to frame this as a way of there's a lot going on. As as one of my favorite uh, former radio hosts said, there's a lot more going on than I think there is. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that sounds that and and this is this is a sticky wicket because we have we have aimed very very uh, strongly from the jump to keep this an apolitical conversation. But obviously, when you talk about labor disputes, there's going to be some politics that that creep into it. All of that is just to say that with in in my limited knowledge of American labor disputes, what I have found is that you will find out real quickly who's got leaders that mm -hmm. the constituency trusts, you know? Yeah. And specifically when you're talking from the labor side, um, because that, you know, they're, cause they, you know, they're, there's a very small number of people, you know, and, and obviously I'm just learning, you know, I'm just learning there's about <laughs> to be a, a strike, but generally speaking, there's a, there's a very sm small number of people who are responsible for a very large constituency and, um, and they have to, they have a large challenge ahead of them, mm -hmm. you know, for, for solving these things. And, and I think if I can kind of wrap things up in a tie it with a bow, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, the, it's really, and I like that you, how you framed it. We, we do try to be an apolitical podcast and it really to me this stresses the importance of listening as a leader because with disputes whether it's you know um arguing over the price of a pumpkin spice latte or um work-life balance around your your work you know the the dispute started somewhere and so as a leader it's important to really be in tune with the people you're leading and that's mm -hmm. I think what separates you from being kind of a one of the team and a leader is if you can hear maybe some of those um, distresses that are happening and, and address those early, mm -hmm. early and often to make sure they don't blow up yeah. into something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, again, I'm just now learning about this, but I would bet at least I would bet all the money in my wallet, which is $2. <laughs> I would okay. bet $2 that this did not crop up overnight. Right. Right. So anyway, uh, that's fascinating. Thank you for keeping us up on the, uh, will you, will you keep us updated on the latest in labor disputes on the rail system? I will. Absolutely. Okay. Our chief rail correspondent, Josie Utz reporting from, um, Alan, right? Alan, uh, Wiley, Wiley. That's right. 
you told I saw you recently and you told me that you moved and I was like, man, when'd you move? You're like two years ago. <laughs> time <laughs> is crazy. It is time. Let's have a conversation just about time, just the idea of time. But there's no time for that. Uh, that is it for this episode of the Rylecast. We do thank you for being a, uh, a a listener and spending a little bit of your day with us. If you would please rate and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. Uh, and here with an antiquated way of telling a friend about the Rylecast is Josie. Yeah, go ahead and write a letter, but make sure it's shipped by rail in the next two days to is listen a, to this podcast is there a way to like specify i would like this letter delivered by rail um i don't think so but i would bet that a lot of your letters are getting delivered by rail gotta be right gotta be gotta be anyway um anyway that's for a, that's a question for the united states postal service <laughs> we'll try to solve that before the next episode of the rylacast thanks for your time